Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org sports. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at K.com slash TrueFans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. It's about to go. Nerd Sports Podcast, where we talk history of the game, numbers, and stats. And each week we highlight a charity that's doing good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should. Because I'm sick to this, this the, the real deal. And you know I gotta shout out the Buffalo Bills. Turn it up to the max, sit back and relax. This the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Let go! What is up, Nerd Mafia? And welcome in to another episode of the Buffalo Nerd. Uh, for those of you watching, you are going to be able to see that I am joined again this week by another special guest. Uh, pretty pumped about this one. Uh, a lot of it uh, involves the charity. And then we're just going to really get to chat up a, a dude that's got a lot of football knowledge. And we're going to wander around the league quite a bit today for the first time. I feel like we're getting pretty close to football. So I kind of wanted to set like my, my feet in stone right now a little bit of where I think things are going to fall. That way I can come back and laugh at myself later uh, when it's a total mistake, right? Um, but this week, uh, I'm joined by Scott Simpson. Uh, before I uh, sh- shout out everything that Scott does, Scott, welcome in. Um, why don't you go ahead and uh, take the floor here and let everybody know a little bit about yourself. Oh, cool. Thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm really excited to join you today, by the way. We had some snafus the other day, and yesterday my dog needed to be watched. So, oh my goodness, all that drama is behind us. We're getting to meet. So this is what I'm actually most excited about, is just talking football, getting to get together with another, uh, it's a guy in this sense. Most of the time it's guys. Uh, nothing, nothing wrong with the ladies. Love the ladies too. But uh, talking football with the guys is like one of my favorite things to do. Uh, and to be able to do it in June, you know, way before the season starts, like, yeah, I'll do it any single day, any day in the whole year, 365. So uh, this is cool. I, um, my name is Scott and uh, Nimble W Numbers on Twitter 
And I have a show on Monday nights called The Fantasy Millionaires uh, on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And I have a show on Friday night, which is tonight, on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network called Chalk Blocked. So I'm I'm prim- primarily DFS and fantasy football focused. That's the the angles that I go at. I love DFS. Last year I won five thousand dollars in a second. I got second place in a, a GPP tournament that had three hundred thousand people in it. And so I, that's what I really really love. Um, but I love redraft fantasy too. So uh, I, I was a, an ex. I'm an ex Washington football team fan from. I think I quit in 2014. So I just love the NFL. I love all the teams. I love all the players. I love getting into it. I love chopping it up, breaking it down. So thanks for having me on. Really excited. Yeah, Scott, absolutely. And uh, now we know that he's won money. We absolutely have to listen to everything that he says, right? So um, that's going to be good to have going on for us today. And I really like it because uh, a lot of times when you get the guys that only don't really kind of hone in on one team, you know, we get a good perspective of everything that's going on around the league. And, you know, that's why I kind of wanted to sit down with you today. Um, But before we get into all that stuff, like we do every week, we do like to shout out a charity, um, you know, each week and give them the opportunity each week that's chosen by the guests. So this week, um, Scott, he went ahead and he chose the Hope for Henry Foundation, right? So um, very cool organization. Uh, had an opportunity to check out everything they're up to. But Scott, why don't you go ahead and um, let everybody know kind of why you chose to highlight them and maybe tell us a little bit about them. Uh, thanks, Cole. I think it's really awesome, too, that you start your shows and you uh, uh, right away, you're uh, finding a way to make it about other people and giving back to the community and helping everybody else. I got to say off the break. I love that. That's awesome. Uh, so the charity that, that I'm representing is Hope for Henry, and it is uh, a charity based here in the Washington, D.C. area where I live. Uh, there's a, a mother whose son passed away from leukemia about 20 years ago, and she dedicated her life just to helping other families who are going through the same problem that that her she went through. So she developed a system of rewards and, and, um, just as, as patients have to go to, to different treatments, it's hard getting needles and getting stuck. So she made this like kind of game where you get Henry bucks and you can earn rewards and earn prizes. And there's a goal to kind of get, uh, you know, your prize each time you go to one of your treatments. And so my daughter, London, who's 10, she was diagnosed with leukemia in 2020 and thankfully she's doing well and uh, she she is you know in remission and she's in treatment and I hope for Henry's just been a lifeline for us and has encouraged us so much and helped us so much that we decided to give back and my wife joined the board of parents who are on that board and so our goal now is to help raise money for Hope for Henry and help other kids practically be cared for and loved like we were. And what's cool is that they buy presents for them all the time. So you can go to Hope for Henry and, and sign up and, you know, go to Amazon and buy kids presents. So what they want, like a kid will say, I want this. This will make me happy while I'm in treatment, while I'm in the hospital. And you can go buy it for them You can go get it for them. It gets directly sent right to them. And then they feel like a million bucks because they're going through something hard and somebody cared for them. So I, I loved it. And I was able to be cared for and my, my daughter was able to be cared for. And so I just wanted to be able to pay it forward and really focus on those families who need support, who are facing that struggle. Awesome. That's kind of what I was mentioning at the top there that, you know, I was kind of excited about the charity of this one because I, you know, I do know Scott's backstory before we met a little bit here about what was going on with his daughter and stuff. And, you know, so it's very cool. I see she's back out there kicking butt, you know, in the pool and stuff like that, where she belongs and where she wants to be. So it's very cool. And there are tons of organizations out there, right? And there's a lot of them we never even hear about, right? Like, you know, that there's things happening around us all the time. So that's partially what this is all about. We want to highlight organizations that we don't necessarily know about and learn something 
something, you know, new. So very cool, Scott. Thanks so much. You know, I appreciate the personal touch, you know, also that you, you know, you can talk about what's going on. I mean, that's a, that's a big struggle to go through. And I, you know, I remember going to high school with a gal in the fifth grade of my, in my class that had, you know, to battle with cancer. That's, that's a lot as you're trying to come up as a young gal in the world and fit in and do school and do everything else. And then on top of that, you're going to the hospital and this, that, and the other. So it's a big stress for everybody. So that's where cool foundations like this come in. They swoop you up, even if it's just for a day to help out, you know, get you that, you know, that one day that makes you feel better. That's what this is all about. So, you know, we'll have all the notes, uh, the show notes will have all the information to get over to their website. Super easy to go on there and donate. Like you talked about, you can get somebody a present, have it sent to them tomorrow. Right. I mean, like that, that's, that's really cool stuff. So thanks a lot, Scott. No, no, thank you so, for giving me an opportunity to share it. I love it. And it's just, like I said before, it's so encouraging to be able to you know work with people to help other people. I mean, that's the real, the goal of humans is to come together and use the, the collective will and our power and our resources to help people who are in need. And so I love that that's a focus of your podcast. It's really cool. And when you shared it originally, I was just like, boom, this is awesome. So thanks for, for just having that others focus in your mindset. So it's awesome. Yeah, man. Love it. Thank you for saying those things too. Cause that, that's kind of what this is all about. You know, I want to, I, I kind of think it's learning through the game, right. But we can learn different things through the game, whether it's about organizations doing awesome things that we never met, you know, knew before, or if it's a stat or, you know, it, it can come in many different ways. So that's what I wanted to do with this. So let's move into some football stuff. And I know both of you and I believe are both in the uh, Scott fish bowl, right. And yes, some sir. of the best ball, the best balls coming up. Right. So I want to pick your brain a little bit here and just kind of hear what What's your best ball strategy? I know you've done a ton of these already. I'm in a couple of groups with you and things where they uh, they're almost a daily requirement. I think uh, it seems like at times. So how does Scott approach a best ball draft? So uh, the first thing that I think about is kind of how I'm going to attack the first two rounds. And it depends on how other people attack them. Honestly, it, it, I can go in and go, I want these guys and, and I get them or I go and I want these guys and they're just they're taken. So um, I try to be kind of fluid and and. I want to have in the first two rounds, I want to have a solid running back an RB one. I have to have an RB one. I'm not doing zero RB in these drafts uh, just because I mean, not that you can't be contrarian, but I, I think you're going to have to have somebody who's going to be a stud to compete with the other guys who have, have a stud. Yeah, everyone's going to have to have one stud RB at least. So the first round I get a stud or second round, I get a stud depending on where it is. A lot of times I'll get two running backs and then that's different from redraft redraft. I will go maybe wide receiver running back, you know, or maybe wide receiver, wide receiver, depends, but best ball, I'm kind of going to hammer those running backs early just because I don't want to, uh, and they might get hurt. So I might have to get, you know, some of my other running backs later might have to fill in too, but I don't want to kind of lose out on either you know, Alvin Kamara, Saquon, uh, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, all those guys in the first round. I really do like them. I think the only person I'm taking in the first round will be Kelsey uh, other than a running back in best ball. So, um, say you're like in the later half there, you know, like 10, 11, 12, and maybe those, you know, those top five, six running backs aren't there. Are you still going to really go after the running back there? Or are you going to try to maybe shift your focus and that's where your Kelsey comes in maybe, and then flip around for next best guy you can get at running back, something like that. Yeah. So I have a a hierarchy of who, once I get to pass Nick Chubb, if Nick Chubb, uh, you know, I'll take Kelsey after Chubb. That's my rule. He never, he always gets taken before Nick Chubb anyway. So, uh, which is fine. But if he makes it past Nick Chubb, I will take him, but I'm always taking Nick Chubb in the first later part of the rounds. Him and Austin Eckler are my two backs. I'm trying to get in that 11, 12 turn. Those are the two that I want in that area. I think Nick Chubb has top five RB potential this year. And I think so does Austin Eckler. And 
And so uh, Austin Eckler because of PPR and then Nick Chubb just because of his uh, you know ability to break tackles, you know, his rushing average, the amount of work, the volume he's going to get. So uh, for me, I like both of those guys. And if I can't get them, then, yeah, I, I might pivot to uh, Diggs or I might pivot to uh, someone else. Uh, not that I don't like Diggs, but Diggs also is being drafted at the, like the very top of his value. Last year, he was being drafted in the fourth round, fifth round, sixth round. That's when I love Diggs the most. That's when I just I you know, got as much as I could, particularly in Dynasty. But now at that second, I don't think I don't like it. But if I'm going to do Diggs in the second round, I'm, it means I'm going to get Josh Allen in the fourth round. Like this is what I have to do. Uh, I don't I don't want to have one of the best players in the NFL and then not have another best player in the NFL who's going to kind of marry them. So stacking is also something that is a, a popular strategy in best ball that I try to do uh, between two and three quarterbacks each. Each, each time we get in there and do a draft, depending on how strong those quarterbacks are. So if I can get somebody like Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, I'm not going to draft any other quarterbacks. Or if I can get, you know, um, maybe not Aaron Rodgers is a bad example. Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson. If I can get two stud uh, quarterbacks, then I can just attack wide receiver and running back. So uh, it, 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 if I'm going to go with those wide receivers, it's almost like I'm going to try to get those quarterbacks too. So when I select my first round wide receiver, my second round, second you know wide receiver too, I'm thinking about the quarterbacks. And you don't always have to stack, but it's nice when you can get Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, or if you can get DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson. Th- those are just stacks that I've just seen consistently throughout in that, you know, five, six range, you know, Russell Wilson getting picked after DK has been picked in the third or the second. So, uh, yeah, I think stacking is really important too, because if in your, in those games, like last year, if you had in, in week, I think it was week 16, if you had Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs, you had 70 points, 75 points. They went off. They had, I think Diggs had two touchdowns over hundred yards, Josh Allen over 30 points. So, those big games, you, you need that. You're, you're chasing upside in best ball. That's what you want each week. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the stack because I noticed a lot of people like to do it. Do, do you always do it top heavy or do you sometimes uh, okay with doing it in the back end? Like I've been messing around a little bit with doing um, some like Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson like stuff real late to see if it just happens to hit for a week, you know, like Fitzpatrick with like, a, you know, a Damari Brown or something like that late on, later on just to see you ever go back there and do the same thing. You know, I, I started doing that after I read something about uh, and it was just it was I think I don't know if it was Hayden Wink. Somebody had a little graph and it just a little correlation graph. And at the end, it just showed that there was a value in getting those later round, maybe wide receiver twos or wide receiver threes that match up with quarterbacks because it's not always going to be the stud that goes off. So if you can get, uh, you know, Gabe Davis, for example, in the 10th round, you know, Stephon Diggs, obviously the wide receiver one in, in, in Buffalo. But Gabe Davis had some games last year where he balled out. He's he's a man. That's a grown ass man, as we like to say. So uh, I love him. I'm picking him, you know, in, in almost all of my stacks with John, with Josh Allen, I'm going to have him there in the 10th or 11th round if I can get him. Uh, and it, it's also a good way to, to get cheaper stacks too, because if you're picking up some of these lesser known wide receivers and the you know, wide receiver two, wide receiver threes on teams, for example, uh, you know, not a wide receiver three at the end of the season, but right now kind of being looked at as, as you know, um, you know, that is, is my guy, um, Elijah Moore. He's going to be the wide receiver one by the end of the season. I know it. Uh, he's being drafted. You know, the, the, the Jets, they got Crowder, they got Mims, and then he's being drafted as a wide receiver one, but they're all in that, that, that 10, 11, 12, 13 range. No one really knows what to do with them. I love that because those kind of cheaper values are those those uh, teams that suck. Let's just say the Jets suck. So people go, oh, their players are going to suck. Man, there's such a great opportunity to get that garbage time. And Elijah Moore, somebody who I'm going to try to get in every single best ball team I have across the board. I love him. I watched his highlights today. 
And I just fell asleep dreaming of Lane Kiffin's <laughs> clipboard being thrown up in the air 30 feet. So, uh, yeah, you don't have to stack late, but it does give you an advantage when, when those uh, wide receiver ones are not the targets uh, in the game that you're, you know, week 17, week 16. You just never know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. That's the other piece of, especially I know we, everybody's been adding, you know, how we're going to have this extra game this year. I almost feel like it just means it's going to be an extra game where most of the studs aren't going to play unless the league is really tight, right? Like if which it should be, I do anticipate the AFC to be pretty challenging throughout the entire season. So some of these guys might have to play for playoff berths and things of that nature, but I, I keep adding that extra game. Like it's guaranteed to just, yeah, put those points in. Right. But it's not necessarily going to be there. So that's cool though. Cause I, I feel like uh, the best ball stuff was pretty new to me this year. Um, you know, so it was like kind of one of those things where it was a learning thing. Cause I'm, I'm a big running back guy. Um, I, I always want to go running back, running back. I I feel like that's the only way that you do this. I don't like it's so hard for me to fathom any other way. Um, so it's cool to hear that, like when some people align with that idea. But I've really had to open my eyes to being able to being willing to take that number one wide receiver early. Right. And just being like, well, that is what it is now. But a couple of guys you did mention, like Chubb, I do like guys like that. And people forget Eckler just not two seasons ago was like the top fantasy running back, you know, for a while there. So I, and he's in a great offense. So I agree. So you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier that you do a little bit different with redraft, but what would be your main shift when you're approaching redraft from a best ball? Are you going to definitely hit the running backs heavy? Or, you know, what, where are you moving? What's going to be your outlook as you're so approaching I would one? say that in, in redraft, I'm more fluid. I'm more prone to take a wide receiver. So last year in my big money league, my first pick, uh, I two big money leagues, like 250 buck leagues uh, entries. I, I took Michael Thomas and I took uh, Devontae Adams. So Michael Thomas was a bust. You know, he had a terrible season. I ruined my team. I didn't win. But Devontae Adams was awesome. And then my second round pick, was Austin Eckler. He got hurt, um, but I got I got fourth place or a third place, I think, in my league. And so it, I, I used to be afraid to take those wide receivers. But last year, Devontae Adams, to me, was the wide receiver one. I talked about it all summer. I said, this is the guy you want. And so uh, at least I got him in one of my leagues and he was a stud. So this year, I don't think Devontae Adams is that same player. And it's hard to pick like who is going to be it right now with wide receiver. I can't say I know who's going to be the wide receiver one. I think people thought it was going to be A.J. Brown until Julio was, was traded there. And then I think that kind of pulled that back. Uh, there's a lot of different players who could. I know people are talking about Terry McLaurin could be one. Uh, shocker. You know who could be one? Michael Thomas could be one, guys. He's getting drafted in the middle of the third round. And so if you're doing your strategy, Colt, and you, you walk away from the you know the first round and you've got, you know, uh, let's say Alvin Kamara, Antonio Gibson. Well, you could, you know, maybe you don't want to stack all of the Saints. But, OK, let's change up. Let's say you have Zeke, Antonio Gibson. You can get Michael Thomas as your wide receiver one in, in you know, most drafts right now. That's awesome. That's incredible. So maybe you can wait on wide receiver in drafts because some of these values are, are being shoved down the board because of what happened last year. Right. And I mean, obviously it has to do with how you're scoring and everything like that. My philosophy with the running backs has always just been that they get hurt more often. So it's like, you feel like you need them. Right. And I don't really like the handcuff approach because I don't know that that necessarily exists anymore in the league with so many teams having kind of two back setups and everything like that. But I do definitely, I do feel like in redraft now I've changed to where I'm a lot more open to doing things that I never would have done. And people are sleeping on some offenses that I don't think they should be sleeping on just because of, we don't have that typical, like, Hey, it's Drew Brees and Michael Thomas. So Michael Thomas is going to be number one. We don't know for sure if Aaron Rodgers is going to play with Devontae Adams. So you can't say he's the number one, right? So it really truly is. I mean, could it be Keenan Allen with Justin Herbert? I mean, that's very possible. Maybe it's Tyreek 
again, you know, just because he's in the same system. Right. So tell me one or two little things though, for sure that you would absolutely tell somebody, make sure you don't do this in a draft because it's not going to help you in any way. So one thing I would avoid, it's a feeling, it's a feeling that you get. It's a feeling of missing out or FOMO or of not having or scarcity resources kind of losing. So when you see runs going and tight end, tight end, boom, 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 or running back, running back, running back, first round, yes, just a running back run. But in other rounds, when you kind of see that value slipping away from a position and so you reach on a guy, you don't, you don't have him where he's at, but you don't, you can't wait to come back. I'll get a worse guy later. I, I got to get this guy now. It's the worst thing you can do because what happens is you're forfeiting points in that position. You're saying, I'm going to reach for this running back or, or whoever this is because uh, you know I need to make sure I don't lose out on it. And what's really happening is you're picking like the bottom of the barrel instead of the top of a different barrel. So instead of looking at, let's say, whatever it is, if it's running back, that's a run or a wide receiver run, look at another position group. You might be able to find value. So if you're, if you're looking at second round and all these running backs are going, and you're like, dang it, I really need that. I need a second running back. Well, maybe you need Darren Waller instead in that position because he's going to be such a great value at the tight end. And then coming back in the third round, get Chris Carson. And then you're okay. But if you reach for Chris Carson in the second, you're missing out. Excuse me. You're missing out. There's points you're leaving on the board because you're worried about a player or a position not being uh, substantial enough for you. So I think chase the value. That's what you should do. Uh, And and don't load up on nine wide receivers if you only start two in your league. But look for that value and where it's going to be as the snake draft moves throughout. Players just fall to you. And maybe you don't want three tight ends on your team. That's fine. Then then uh, adjust. You weren't going to get Waller. Now you got Waller. So you don't pick any tight ends. You have no more tight ends. You have to worry about the rest of the draft. Just get the rest of your wide receivers and your running backs. Right. So it sounds to me like you, uh, you kind of tier base. You're a tier kind of guy when you're drafting. Yeah, I do. And I also have my tiers. They're opportunity based. So what I'm thinking about is how much volume you're going to get, how much opportunity you're going to get in this offense. And so it can shift. It can shift. If, if I see I already have a player from that offense, I'm not going to get another player. I'm not going to double stack wide receivers on a team necessarily, uh, unless unless there's a value in doing it, like Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs at the later in the round. I'm not going to take um, you know Mike Evans and then Chris Godwin back to back. This is not going to be helpful for me. Even if I'm a Bucks fan and Tom Brady's a beast, you're not going to get all those points to your wide receiver every week. So uh, you can stack, you can go on teams, but I think that's the difference in best ball is in best ball. I'll take Gabe Davis, you know, Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen. I wouldn't do that in redraft. I'd take maybe one or two of those guys, but I'm not going to like team stack uh, as hard. Right. Yeah. Cause obviously in the best ball, you're buying into the offense saying that one of these two guys is probably going to hit every week for me. Right. As yep. long as Josh Allen does. Right. So very cool. So let's, uh, let's transition a little bit. We're going to stay, we're going to keep doing fantasy cause that's what you do, but I want to kind of walk through the divisions here a little bit and kind of talk out where we think they're going to fall. Kind of uh, put a little, I figure it's towards the end of June here. We got kind of a good look at where everybody's at. We're going to be getting ready to go into the preseason. I think it's kind of a good time to set the floor of where we think everybody is so we can come back and laugh you know a little later on when we get it all wrong or whatever of course right so let's start with the nfc north because i think this one is very up in the air for me i'll kind of just tell you where i'm at and then you can come in and let me know what you think and then if you want to follow it up with like one guy in the division that you think's like the fantasy guy you should be trying to get that's not necessarily maybe that big time guy that everybody knows cool Yes. I love it. All right, cool. So for me, it's all hinged on if Aaron Rodgers plays for Green Bay or not. Right. Obviously. So right now, I don't think he is going to play. So I'm going to base it off of him not playing and I'm going Minnesota, Chicago, Green Bay, Detroit. 
I like that. I like that. Yeah, Detroit, by the way, they might not win a game this year. No no offense, you know, Dan Campbell eating kneecaps and wearing racing car helmets. Good for you, bro. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're not very good. Uh, I, I think it's the same for me, uh, just swapping Chicago and Minnesota. I think Green Bay is third for me if Aaron Rodgers does not play, just because I don't – not that LaFleur isn't a good coach, but when you have Aaron Rodgers, that makes you uh, much more fluid in what you can do with your offense and just gives you so much more options. So, you know, not that Jordan – Love isn't going to be a good passing quarterback, but man, Aaron Rodgers and the intangibles just, I mean, they give him like three or four wins, just him knowing what to do. My favorite gift last year during football season was the one where Aaron Rodgers was at the line of scrimmage and he looks over at a safety and he smirks. He's just like, <laughs> and then he hikes the ball and he's, and he's not doing it for anybody but himself. Like he sees it, he sees what's going to happen and he's like, oh, these, these guys, man, they don't know what they're doing. Touchdown to Devontae Adams right away. So, uh, yeah, that's a, just a game changer. Uh, the reason I picked the Bears, though, uh, is because Dave Kluge made me do this. And I, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Dave did not make me say this. The reason I picked the Bears is I actually think Justin Fields is going to play. I think he's going to play more than people think he's going to play. Uh, I know Chris Sims ranked him as 39th out of all the quarterbacks, out of 40 quarterbacks this year. I don't endorse that. I think Justin Fields gives them a chance on the ground just to have a different offense. I don't trust Matt Nagy at all. All he's terrible, but play calling. He's not very good. Uh, his points per game, whenever he plays, uh, calls plays goes way down compared to when he has other offensive coordinators call the play. But with that notwithstanding, I do think that their defense is going to be rebounding. It's going to get a little stronger than it was last year. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that happens. Uh, as I say that, I'm also thinking about how they've lost all their, their cornerbacks. So maybe that's a, maybe no, I'm going Minnesota. I, I, I've shifted in my own mind as I thought about it. Yeah, it's going to be, it has to be Minnesota, but their defense is terrible. Listen, this is going to be a wild division. I just, know that lots of points are going to be scored and so i will be targeting all these teams uh somewhat in, in different fantasy levels uh i think the player that i want the most and, and this is out of the whole division right we're talking not like one team yeah okay so the player i want the most i mean it's just it's justin jefferson for me I, I i love him so much uh and i know he's expensive but i think that's the guy uh this year especially Devonta adams not being um you know if, if ron rogers plays and yeah i mean adams is just a stud 17 touch touchdowns and look like last year Aaron Rodgers was trying to get him 20 touchdowns so if that happens again I'm in on him but I love Justin Jefferson 1400 yards as a rookie I mean and the gritty I mean it's it just it's a lot of excitement and uh you know he's somebody who if you are going to be building your team around he's not not a terrible wide receiver one at all to have but if you can miss your wide receiver too if you're in the first half of a draft you might be able to go you know CMC or Saquon Metcalf and then Justin Jefferson. Oh my gosh. If you can get him as your wide receiver too. Mm. Absolutely. And see, everything that you mentioned is pretty much what I align with. It hinges on if Green Bay, if Aaron Rodgers plays, they go back up to one in my mind. It was between the defenses for me between Chicago and Minnesota. I do think that Chicago has the better defense, but their offense I can't buy into as much as I could buy into Minnesota's offense right now. And I think that Minnesota's defense is going to step up this year. So that's why I went that route. I do think they are, you know, with Cousins and Jefferson and Thielen in the backfield. They're a guaranteed offense, I think, right now. And I think that gives them the edge. Let's shift over to the NFC East because nobody really knows who's going to win it. They don't know if they even care to win it. You know, it's every year. It, it's a toss up right now. I have Washington football team, Dallas, New York Giants, Philadelphia Eagles. 
Mm. Yeah, I have right now uh, Washington football team, Dallas, the Eagles, and then the Giants. And the reason I have that, I, I just want to be perfectly clear, is because I don't think Joe Judge and and Jason Garrett know what they're doing. I just don't. I don't. I mean, Jason Garrett's never known what he's doing. If you want a mediocre uh, 500 season, then yeah, Jason Garrett is your guy. Way to go. He's not good at calling plays, and he did not help Daniel Jones last year. Daniel Jones regressed last year under his tutelage. So uh, I just think that that's just not going to work out, uh, and it's it's not anybody's fault necessarily. I think Daniel Jones has an opportunity to improve, but uh, given Jason Garrett, that's like a handcuff. That's like playing with like your leg tied to your other leg. It's just not going to be beneficial. So I, I don't see them, uh, even with Saquon coming back being healthy, I don't see them being effective uh, this year. So that, that's right. But the Washington football team, the reason I like them for number one is because of Chase Young. That's it. That guy is, is I mean, he, I think, had two touchdowns return last year where he just stripped sacked and took it to the house or somebody else took it to the house. That is a game changer. When you're on defense and you can turn the ball over and score points, it just demoralizes the, the opposition. And so the Washington football team's defense last year, uh, they, they were not, they were unheralded to start the season. So we'll see if they can kind of beat now that they're heralded, if they can live up to that charge. But I think they can because that defensive front four is just going to get after the quarterback and uh, having Chase Young anchor it. And, and they have uh, Montez Sweat. They've got uh, Jonathan Allen. They've just got a bunch of huge bros down there, a bunch of Alabama boys, a bunch of, you know, SEC gangsters. So uh, I like them. Uh, the, 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 the person I want this year the most is Terry McLaurin. Um, I think Terry McLaurin just has a great opportunity. He's being drafted as a wide receiver uh, at the end of the wide receiver one train at the wide receiver 12 right now. I think he's got opportunity to be wide receiver you know, six. So that type of, of uh, opportunity that he's going to get with, with a gunslinger in Fitzpatrick or if, if Heineke wins the job and if, if, if Fitzpatrick sucks, you, you have somebody who's going to throw the football. And I know that Riverboat Ron has regressed in his riverboating and he's less, you know, captaining these days and he's more just kind of chill. But you saw it last year with Heineke when he came into the playoff game uh, against the Bucks. I mean, they, they almost beat the Super Bowl champs. They were, uh, you know, in, in that game, that was the best, closest game that the Bucks played. So I do think Washington has that opportunity to kind of defend defensively stick in every single game. And then when you got McLaurin, Curtis Samuels over there, Antonio Gibson's over there and, and Logan Thomas emerged. I just think they have the all around best team. And I say that begrudgingly because I don't like Dan Snyder. I don't like the Washington football team, but I do think they're better than, than the other teams in the division. Yeah. I mean, I, the, that's the same reason I select them. I think their defense is the reason that they win it. Cause I, I absolutely Dallas is going to have an offense. I just can't buy into their defense right now. And if I'm going to pick out of who's going to withstand and win that, I think that I'm going to go with Washington's defense and I'll take Fitzpatrick slinging it around to McLaurin and these other guys, because I believe it's going to be a huge opportunity. I think he, if he plays the entire season, I I'm not like out of the question, he can be a top 10 quarterback, right? With this, with who he's got around him and everything like that. He's got a lot of pieces to the puzzle. So I agree with that 100%. NFC South, I'm curious about where you land on this one because I feel like everybody wants to just say it's Tampa Bay's again, right? Because they've brought everybody back, this, that, and the other. I actually have it as New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Carolina, Atlanta. How about you? So I have it. Uh, I do have Tampa Bay first. I have Tampa Bay, New Orleans, uh, Atlanta, and then Carolina. So I put Carolina down. The bottom. I'm sorry, Jordan Vanek. Don't don't roast me. Uh, I don't I don't believe in, in Sam Darnold uh, yet. Maybe he'll prove me wrong, but I just don't. Out of the uh, the three quarterbacks. Well, I mean, Jameis Winston. Anyway, uh, but, you know, Tom Brady and Matt Ryan are the are the just the two best quarterbacks in that division. It's pretty easy to see right off the break. I uh, got Super Bowl champion, seven time winner in Tom Brady. And then you got Matt Ryan who 
almost won one against Tom Brady. So uh, those are just the, the two best quarterbacks. And so I, I kind of put them out front. Uh, I don't know what Arthur Smith's going to do with, with the Falcons and how it's going to look completely. So I can't project them above the Saints. I mean, the Saints just trounced them last year. So uh, I, I love uh, what's going to happen in this division because there's unknown. There's no Drew Brees. It's going to be kind of up in the air. Uh, if there's one player I could take from this division, it's Kyle Pitts. I mean, I know everyone's saying that, but uh, I, I watched something recently where McVay said, if Kyle Pitts doesn't have 1,600 yards, then Arthur Smith isn't doing it right. And he said this to Arthur Smith. So, uh, yeah, I think that, that his, he's such a weapon in that offense. And uh, tight end, you've got Kelsey, you've got Waller, you've got Kittle, Hawkinson, and to me, Kyle Pitts right there. He's, he's top five tight end. So I'm going to play him. I'm going to put him in all. I'm going to draft him. If I can get him in the fifth round or fourth round of my home leagues, I'll take him every time. I like it. So for me, it was a little bit of like same thing Tampa Bay did last year. It's not that I don't think they'll be there, but they kind of just slept through the season a little bit. Right. And then when the playoffs got there, they turned it on. And I think the Saints offensively are still going to be a very productive team and they have a good defense still. So that's kind of where I'm edging with them right now. I think we're going to be a little surprised about with what they come up with. And for me, I put Carolina over Atlanta because of defenses. And I have a little belief left in Sam Darnold that this is actually a better, much better situation for him to potentially throw the ball around, you know, and really have some success with some good wide receivers and an excellent, excellent running back behind him. Right. Yep. So let's shift to the NFC West because this is the division that everybody always says is the best in the NFC. Right. Right now I have it as Rams, Sam Fran, Seattle, Arizona. Ooh, I like that. You're putting the, the zonas on the bottom. That's, 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 that's ballsy there. Uh, I'm going to say the Rams as number one, too. Uh, I just think that, uh, McVeigh with Matthew Stafford and the Rams are much better than they are, were with Jared Goff. It's a huge, huge upgrade. And I don't think people understand what a difference it's going to be. And so I, that's another player, by the way, who I've been targeting in most of my best ball teams. Like he, he is my number one quarterback. Fitzpatrick's my number two. So I'm looking for the slingers. I want the gunslingers. I want the guys who just get the ball downfield. And uh, I, I agree with you on the Rams. I think they're going to win the division this year. Uh, second, I, here's the thing. I love what Seattle did offensively, you know, with their team, but they didn't do anything on their line. They didn't draft any offensive line. They didn't, didn't solidify and get a first round pick to keep Russell Wilson upright. So I'm worried about them. Their defense was atrocious. Their corners last year were the worst in football. They were just giving up touchdowns and, and long drives all the time. You could throw on them. You could throw touchdowns on them. You could do short passes, long passes, intermediate passes. Didn't matter what it was and and eventually uh, Seattle you, you understood how to to bracket DK Metcalf and uh, they they stopped the their offense so I'm worried about Seattle's offense just because it, it fizzled last year so I don't I don't have them as number two I have them as number three uh, I have San Fran as number two I think they're going to come back as well and uh, I, you know I, I'm not going to talk crash about Jimmy G because Jimmy G professional quarterback good looking man. I don't think he's going to end the season as the, as the quarterback. I'm, I think by week five, he'll be gone and not gone, but he will not be starting. And so uh, I can't wait to see what Trey Lance does. And the modern influx of young quarterbacks, the NFL is going to be so much fun to watch this year. Yeah. Do you have one player over there you really like? Yeah. You know, the, the, the player that I like coming back uh, this year is Kittle. So Kittle is somebody who, you know, when he actually is featured, he's a monster. And there's just, you know, he's not featured enough though. That's the problem for me in that offense. So I'm hoping that with a, with a consistent quarterback and they, they go Trey Lance and they're going to stick with it. They figure out who they are. And then from there on, they can just kind of go. And so I know Kittle is in the second round, but if I can get him in the third round, if he kind of shifts a little bit to the third round, that's where I want to take him. But uh, I do like Kittle this year and he's a good bounce back player at tight end for sure. 
Yeah, I, I love Kittle too. I just have a hard time with him because of the quarterback situation, right? It, it, not knowing, and I know that Shanahan wants to run like a madman, so it's like a it's a little weird for me. But he definitely he always finds a way to be the guy, right? I just feel like Debo Samuel is going to be kind of. He, I think he's going to take more this year than he has in the past, and that, I think that's going to hurt a little bit. But I love Kittle too. But let's shift over to the AFC. Would you say right now um, they're easily the AFC is better than the NFC overall, uh, top to bottom? Yeah, I would say the top teams are. I think you know. And this thing, I didn't think the Bucks were going to win the Super Bowl last year. I thought I thought the Chiefs were going to just smoke them like they did in the regular season. So that kind of surprised me. And I'm not going to say it's a one offer, but um, I think there was a really good defensive scheme that was used. And I think that the uh, the, the Bucks learned from their mistakes in that uh, first game they played against them on week 10 or 12, where it was. And uh, right. and they applied that to the Super Bowl. So but I do think the AFC is better. I think the Bills are better than most teams in, in the NFC. I think the Chiefs are better than most teams. I mean, the Ravens, they, there's just a lot of good teams that are, are top to bottom just better, I think, uh, particularly with the quarterbacks. I think the, the quarterback, you know, we, we had a quarterback NFC heavy. It's shifting with the, Drew Brees retiring and just kind of people falling off. New quarterbacks going to the AFC. The AFC, like the young Good looking, strong, you know, Josh Allen type quarterback. You've got Zach Wilson in the, in the, in the, uh, AFC East. I know we're not there yet, but, uh, yeah, there's just a, a lot of young talent, uh, I see on the AFC that I really, really like. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an AFC guy when it comes to who I think is going to win, but I was wrong last year. Like you said at the beginning of the show, we're going to be wrong. I can't wait until everyone, uh, like, was it like the uh, cold takes or old takes or like, you know, yeah, something like yeah. yeah, your shitty takes that you said before and then they, they post them and then everyone laughs at you. Uh, this will be that. Yeah. I mean, and I think what's happening too, is just like the AFC was down for so long, right? The NFC was better, but now the AFC, all the young quarterbacks are now in years three, four, five, you know, and it, they're turning out to be good or at least competitive, right? And they've got good teams built around them. So let's start with the AFC North because this is an interesting one to me because I think a lot of people love Baltimore. I'm not as high on them, but for right now, I would say it's Cleveland, Baltimore, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh is down there at the bottom, by the way. They just got rid of DeCastro yesterday, which, I mean, maybe he's got an injury we don't know about, or there's like a, a fatal flaw in him that the, the Pittsburgh doesn't want to pay him for. I don't know, but I do think Pittsburgh does finish last. Uh, I think they're they're 13-0 and last year. Uh, I don't know how many they, they're going to win this year, but I bet you it's under 10. So I don't. Th- I think they lose at least five wins from last year. I don't think they're going to be very effective. I saw a picture of Big Big Ben yesterday. He's already wrapped up. He's just wrapped up, and all, all his whole body's wrapped up already. It's practice. He's even being hit by anybody yet. So uh, I'd be surprised if he ends the season upright and being the Steelers quarterback. He has. He didn't the year before, and then last year he barely did. So um, I was right. surprised that he came back. Honestly, I thought he should retire, and it would have been better for him to retire. His body. Uh, he's old. And by the way, I'm not going to throw shade on him. This is what he shared before. He used to just be a huge drinker. He used to be a partier. He just did. You know, he's kind of right. reformed his ways and he's not that way anymore, but his face looks like he's been drinking beers just like me. I've been drinking beers too, Ben. So we look the same. Right. I agree. And I, and I think that's part of it for me too, is that I feel like they're just trending way down. I think Cleveland, Cleveland's got to have a better defense this year and Baltimore for me is just a little bit behind in the defensive side of it. That's my only concern. Yeah. I think it's going to come down, but it's Cleveland and Baltimore for me. It's a good to coin flip. Uh, I, I here's saying Baker Mayfield. I still not so long. I mean, I know he did a good job last year down the stretch, but uh, I, I need to see, 
what he can do uh, the whole season before I just go, they're going to win. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson's better than Baker Mayfield. So I'm going to give the slight edge to Baltimore, but I mean, in an injury here, uh, something happens to one or two players and I'm, you know, on, on offense or defense, you lose a cornerback, you lose a safety uh, and those little edges are lost. So, uh, but I do think uh, Cincinnati is, is down there at the bottom. They're fighting it out with, with the Steelers for who's the worst team in the division. All right, so let's keep on moving here uh, over to the AFC West. This for me is um, this is a weird one because I feel like the Chiefs, you know, they didn't really lose much. Um, you know, I'm a little interested in what they do with their offensive line during the offseason. So for me right now, I've actually got it Chargers, Chiefs, Denver, then Raiders. Where do you stand? So I'm, I think I missed the first part. Who do you have as the, as the winning the division? Number one, I have the Chargers. Chargers, Chargers. Chiefs. Ooh, I like that. So uh, I still have the Chiefs winning the division. I have it Chiefs, Chargers, uh, and then uh, the, the the Raiders. I, I, I don't know what to do with them. Uh, they they start the season. They play well. You know, they, they win the games they're supposed to win. They go into New York and then they, you know, they beat the Jets on the last second touchdown. But then they just lose like the last half of the season. They just tank it. And so I, I don't really know. I don't know what to do. Like, I don't when, when I think about them, I really don't know what to do with them. Um, you know, it, it it could be that this year that they rebound and then they're third in the division, or it could be that they're the, the bottom of the division. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Uh, Derek Carr is somebody I'm not sold on, but I'll tell you who I am sold on is Darren Waller. That guy, that's that's the guy from from this division. I know that you've got a lot of great players in here, um, but it's about positional value. And I think Darren Waller creates it. Uh, I think him and Kelsey are, are very similar. Uh, I know Kelsey gets more targets, gets more yards, but uh, that positional value that you can get at tight end. And if you want to go Kelsey Waller to start your draft and just ruin everybody in your league and take all the tight ends. And then, you know, you got enough acumen to pick up those late round wide receivers and running backs for value. That's not a terrible strategy either. Cause those are both like the two best tight ends in football, but I just love Darren Waller. I think he, the last year he breaks out, I think he, he ups his game this year and he has a great chance to end the season as tight end one. So uh, that's the guy that I like this year, even though I don't love Derek Carr. It's more about, it's more about John Gruden. Honestly, I don't know what he's doing with the play calling, how he's running it. He's got, he, he had a great line last year and he got rid of it, got rid of the line. And, and, and then he brought in, you know, Kenyon Drake. I mean, wh- wh- why you, you have Josh Jacobs, you don't need Kenyon Drake. That's, that's not necessary. You could spend that money somewhere else. So as an organization, I just don't trust them. I mean, and that's kind of what everyone thinks, but uh, that's, that's the answer. I just don't have much faith in them. Yeah. I mean, that's where, that's exactly why I put them down at the bottom for the same exact reasons. I just, I don't, they seem like they're competent and Gruden's supposed to be this great coach. I'm just not seeing it transition onto the field. And I feel like Denver's probably got a little bit better of a defense. I don't know that offensively they're going to be great, but they have good wide receivers. They've got a good running back. So they, they have things that should be good. But like you said, I mean, it's, it's tough. It's tough to judge that division. And the only reason I don't have the chiefs at the top right now is because it's very hard to stay there. Right. I think it's harder to stay up there than it is for the Chargers to just go and get it. And they've got a really good football team too. So AFC South next, uh, before the trade, I thought this division was going to be a little bit different, but now that, that Julio is with Tennessee, I got to go Tennessee as the winner, Indy, Jacksonville, Texans. Yeah, the Texans. Oh my gosh. They're, them, they are not going to win a game this year. I already know that. They're, they're terrible. Uh, so yeah, that, that's a good call on the Texans. This is uh, tricky for me because I don't, 
I never have faith in, in Indianapolis. Like I just, I don't. And, and last year with rivers, maybe it was just cause it was old man rivers. Uh, I just didn't have any faith with them. And I, I like, you know, their coach, I think Frank, Wright, Great guy. Great coach. You know, got Carson Wentz. We'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, I'm still iffy on the Colts. And they have a good defense. I know they're a solid squad. Um, but Carson Wentz, he needs to show me that he isn't who he was last year. And maybe that's just Philly. Maybe it's just situation. Maybe it's context. Maybe he comes out and he's an MVP, Carson Wentz. But uh, I can't trust in him yet. But I can trust in Derrick Henry. Uh, that guy is the truth. And uh, he had 378 carries last year and he did not get hurt. He did not break down. And so uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of players in this division that are just, they're flashy. AJ Brown, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry. I mean, those guys right there, JT's here. You got a lot of good, good players. And then, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars are loaded up with, with talent. You know, James Robinson last year, LaVisca, you know, they drafted ETN. So there's, I think this division is going to have a lot of scoring because the defenses are pretty poor across the board. The defenses, except for the, the Colts are pretty poor. So uh, I think I, I'm going to go Tennessee um, slightly over the Colts. I think it's one of those things where it's like 1A and 1B and they're right there neck and neck the whole time. And then the the Jaguars and, and Houston are just, you know, 0 and 4, 1-4, 2-5, 1-5, 0-5, whatever it is. And there's a fodder for the division. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, it's not that I don't like Jacksonville right now or anything. I just feel like this division has kind of a clear separation until we see what Trevor Lawrence can do and, you know, see what can happen before I'm going to move them up towards Tennessee and Indianapolis at this point. I feel like they're the clear cut. They're going to win it unless one of them just falls off a cliff. Right. But so now let's move to the greatest football division ever, ever uh, the AFC East. Right. So for me, obviously right now um, I have it as the bills, Followed by the Patriots, Dolphins, Jets. So right now I have it, Bills, uh, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets. Jets last, of course. I'm not, I'm concerned with Cam Newton, just in general. I think this year is going to be a transition year from Cam to Mac. We'll see how that goes. By the way, uh, Mac Jones, uh, he's like 12. He came out and said that his nickname uh, from Cam Newton is Mac and Cheese. And uh, I was just like, man, God, these guys are so young. I'm so old. Uh, I would never tell anybody that my name was Mac and Cheese like he did. That's, that's embarrassing there. Sorry about that. You know, Mac Jones. But uh, I, I, yeah, Bill Belichick, I think this is what, what I saw last year was desperation. I've never seen this before from Bill Belichick. He emptied his nuclear cabinet of money. He just like, you're a tight end one. You're a tight end one. You're a wide receiver one. I'm getting you. I'm getting you. So I think it's desperation, honestly. And it doesn't, to me, translate into going to be a winning season for him. I know Bill Belichick's the GOAT at, at coaching, but I think his players are not very good. Uh, his defense is going to be better than his offense for sure this year. Uh, getting some players back from the COVID-19 protocol last where they kind of just you know, decide not to have the season for them. I think they'll be better on defense, but I like Miami. I like Miami. Tua is a big play quarterback, and uh, I don't think he's effective overall as a quarterback, but he's a big play quarterback. He's got big play weapons now. He's got Waddle. He's got Fuller. These guys are built for big plays, and so he's a better... This is not my line either. This is Jordan Vanek's line. He's great at throwing to people who are wide open. That's what he's good at. He doesn't like forcing balls in. He's not a Fitzpatrick guy who's like, I got Parker and triple coverage. Let's throw this MFR. You know, so... I think that the Dolphins will be better this year uh, as an offense. I don't think maybe their record's better, but I think that they'll be more effective with Tua. They'll have them the whole season. So I think they're going to edge out the Patriots. Uh, and I think the reason is, is because Flores knows, he knows, he came from Bill Belichick. He knows Bill Belichick and he's always able to kind of get, not in his head, but when you're going up against somebody like that, you care so much. It's like playing your dad in a video game. Like you just have to beat him. You can't let your dad beat you, you know? And so, uh, 
I think that they're going to be the second team uh, this year. And then the Patriots third. And then of course, uh, you know, the jets are going to be the jets and they're going to be last, but, but I'll say this, my, my guy from this division who I love the most, I'll give you two, two of the most. Number one is Elijah Moore. And that's just because of his profile, what he did in college. He was just an amazing uh, receiver for Ole Miss. I went through, like I said, watched his highlights today. Just got so excited. I love him. You can get him in the 10th, 11th round of your redrafts. That's a great, great value. My second favorite player is Gabe Davis. Oh my gosh. Gabe Davis is, is uh, poised this year. I feel like to break out. I don't know what's going to happen with Cole Beasley. You know, he's threatening retirement. If they're going to have the protocols kind of be the stringent, I don't think he retires, but I do think by the end of the season, Gabe Davis, clear wide receiver two on the team. No offense to old man, Emmanuel Sanders. I think he's good. I think he's real good, but I just like Gabe Davis a lot. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's faster. He's going to run more downfield routes. He's going to be uh, your red zone target. He's somebody you're going to want to have the ball in his hands. He's a man. He's a big, strong man. And uh, he's a prototypical wide receiver. And not that Emmanuel Sanders isn't, but Emmanuel Sanders is a second wide receiver. He's not a wide receiver one. Gabe Davis is built in the model of a wide receiver one. And since there's already one on the team with Diggs, I feel like he's going to be more the wide receiver too. But if you have that option, you you, you can't have two big, huge players and and uh, expect the corners to all cover everybody and be able to be on man to man on these guys. They're going to get open. And Gabe Davis on those one-on-one contested catch, I want him. I love him. He's big. He's strong. He's powerful. So uh, him and, and more are two players I'm targeting late in drafts in all my redraft teams. I want to walk away with both of them. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because also even if, you know, we're talking about it a little bit earlier, right, is even though the Jets were both predicting them to be terrible, they're probably going to be in games where they're going to have to play from behind, which means he's going to get garbage points, which it could end up being huge weeks for you. Even if he's never wins a game in the NFL, he could end up winning you all sorts of games in fantasy. Right. So, I mean, that that you have to view it like that sometimes is saying that the bad offense is actually the best offense at some point in the game. Right. And their their best player at least is going to get the work, you know, because right. at some point it's give it to him and hope to God that it works. Right. So, but I think we kind of, uh, we answered the the question a little bit of who you believe the number two is behind Diggs to own on the team, right? It's mm-hmm. Gabe Davis. I think I kind of agree with that. Uh, the only thing holding that back right now is Cole Beasley and seeing what happens with that. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if he does decide to step away for some reason, uh, you know, then that it's going to be an interesting opportunity for Gabe Davis to immediately shoot up the charts and some other guys behind him magically are going to become, I mean, you're talking about a hundred targets, that are going to need to go somewhere. Right. So Cole Beasley is really good at what he does. So I, I hope he plays, um, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, he's also yeah. getting up there in age too. So if he doesn't and somebody has to step in and we have to move forward, then that's what we'll have to do. So let me ask you real quick before we move into the nerding out session. So you we got the bills. Do you think that they're going to be in the AFC championship again this year? Yeah, no, I definitely do. Uh, I think Josh Allen, what he did last year what was so remarkable about it. I know that Diggs was a big part of it, but he his his completion percentage was subpar. It was down. He put it up in the 70s. He was at 56. Was it 56? His first year, a terrible uh, passing percentage. You don't you, you need to catch the football, throw the football. That's just like a basic tenet of the game. And for him to improve that much, the work he did in the offseason last year, uh, you know, I, I I watched him when he lost to the Texans. He fumbled the ball. He had that. He just, he, he, the moment overcame him a couple years ago in the playoffs. He didn't look like he was ready. Last year, he looked like a different quarterback. He looked like a man, looked like he was ready. So I do think he continues that ascent. And I mean, he was the number one 
fancy scoring player last year across the board. He was the number one. So uh, I, I love him this year. I don't know if he's going to repeat his number one because you have Lamar Jackson. You've got Mahomes. You got a lot of other great quarterbacks up there. But his scrambling ability, his ability to, to rush the football, to throw the ball just so far downfield gives him an advantage. And if they keep the 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 pass percentage up, the pass run ratio up the same as it was last year, which I don't think there's anything they need to do to change it. They were successful. Uh, I really do love him. And he's got a great chance to be that quarterback one again. Um, the only thing I don't know about, and this is, you know, you might be able to know more about this is what they're going to do with the running back situation. And and they weren't very effective last year running the football. And they didn't really, it seemed like have a plan to run the football because they were so focused on throwing the football and they did such a good job. But uh, I don't know how that's going to work out this year. I'd like to kind of see them develop some type of system or plan uh, to attack so they can uh, use the two different systems to benefit each other. I mean, that's really what you're using. You're using your run game to set up your pass game, your pass game to get the people off balance so you can run it down the throat. So um, I think that with another year under their belt, they will be successful. And right now, uh, the Bills are my uh, and I hate to say this, they're my Super Bowl pick to win it all. I'm not just saying that because I'm on your show either. Uh, I think that their defense is is what really puts them over the top. And so I, I love the Bills this year and I'll be targeting them in my drafts and then also be rooting for them because, you know, here's how I feel. I don't like big winners like the Patriots who've won nine million championships. I'm always rooting for the underdog. And when the underdog finally asserts itself and they're the best, I don't, I don't hate on them anymore. I want them to continue to be good. And uh, I want Bill Belichick uh, to continue to be bad. So sorry uh, if you're a Pats fan there. Jeff Greenwood, shout out. Love you, brother. But no, no more New England. I'm tired of you guys. You guys got to stop talking. Yeah, no, I, and I think it's fun too, because it's actually, it's reaching the point, right, where we're getting to that point where it's going to be a changing of the guard, I think, in the Super Bowl. We're going to start seeing different teams that are up there every year, because there are a lot of teams right now that I think are capable of being there. There's there's a good six or seven teams, I would say, right now could potentially be in the Super Bowl this year, you know, from from either side and making it happen that haven't been there in the past few years, which is really exciting stuff. So, hmm. but before, well, let's, let's move over into the nerding out session, kind of get off of the football train a little bit, even though all of your answers can be football related that's perfectly fine uh, first question up is do you have like a favorite book scott uh you know anything you know sport related whatever f- favorite book you'd recommend to everybody so here's the thing unfortunately because i'm in maryland we are we're not legally allowed to gamble yet they passed the amendment and then it's in the, the state constitution but they haven't actually actionized it yet so i don't know yet i don't know who my favorite book is yet I use William Hill when I go to West Virginia because William Hill was the the book that was there in West Virginia. So uh, that was the one I had to deal with. Uh, I don't mind DraftKings, honestly. I, I don't know who uh, puts the, the stuff behind DraftKings, but I can't wait to use them when this year, because if Maryland processes it, you can get on that side of the app too. Uh, I like what DraftKings does. I like their lines. It's easy for me to find my, my DFS stuff in DraftKings and then also the gambling in DraftKings are both together. So uh, that's, that's the book I'll probably be using. But then if you can find find some good lines some places you know i know there's there's different uh, optimizers that just show you all of the different lines across you know every book those are cool tools too because then you can look for your edges and go oh i don't want that half point oh this this book has no half point so i'm going to go for that one so uh, right now i'm a i'm a i'm a sports book free agent too uh, if anybody wants to sign me or me to rep your sports book i will definitely do that because i love gambling scott loves gambling Right. And you're, uh, you can mess around a little bit on underdog now too, right? They do a little bit of rival and pick them stuff. That's pretty fun to get into as well. So that's very cool. 
I saw somebody win $400 the other day on like a $20 bet or whatever it was. And they picked three or four teams and they won 400 bucks. So I love it. It's, it's an end around too, because it's not technically gambling on underdog. You're uh, right. parlaying, you're doing games of skill. There is uh, no betting on underdog, which is really cool. And you can do it legally. You can, you can do those games of skill. So do go check out underdog uh, and uh, use promo code nibble and I'll get paid a little bit. And then I can use some of that money to give to my family so they can stop bothering me. <laughs> right. Or you can give it back to the book. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I do that. I give it back to Bo McBigtime, who's my uh, writer, DFS extraordinaire. He, he beats me in DFS regularly. So I just kind of, all the money I win, I pay to him. Just give it over to him immediately. Right. Mm-hmm. So tell me, Scott, what, what do you love about the game? Oh man. So many things I love about the game. Uh, I'll say the first thing I love about the game is executing a, a plan. So going in, looking at the other team's weaknesses, strengths, and developing uh, an actual, like these plays are going to effectively uh, work against this defense. And so I was that nerdy kid who, when you're on the playground, you're playing football you know, as a kid, some a-hole takes out note cards. <laughs> He's like, look at this play. This is the play we're going to run. You're going to crack down here on a crack back block on the left side. That's going to free up the tight end to release, go out in the flat. The hook and ladder begin. And people are like, dude, Scott, just, we're just going to run the ball or we're just going to throw the ball. So I love that. Like when I see Sean McVay calling plays, right? It's just like last year when when Flores and, and the Dolphins did that little, uh, they did a little, I think the, the, the Rams did it too. The little hat, they did a, a little pass to the tight end and then he flipped it, the hook and ladder, and they scored like a two point conversion. Like that kind of stuff just gets me so excited. I love it. Uh, and then also the physicality, uh, being able to use your will uh, on another man and to force him to do what you want and to crush him, particularly in the line. Whenever I can see like a, a offensive or defensive lineman manning another person. Oh, man. Like I, I would always love it when when, uh, you know, Madden would be like, hey, look right in here. You got the crack back block. You got this. And you got a big old. I love that. Like that just gets me going. And, uh, and of course, touchdowns. Yeah. effing mm-hmm. touchdowns. I just man touchdowns. I remember last year I had uh, nine touchdowns in the first half. Of, of, a, of a game or of like a of playing DFS or it was nice. My, my player scored nine touchdowns. I won a couple hundred bucks. And I was like, this is, this is it. Touchdowns. That's all I care about is touchdowns. Right. So I think that's the biggest thing I love is touchdowns. Love it. So uh, when you're hanging out at home, whatever, you got a podcast you listen to? You man, it's a lot of podcasts to listen to. I'll tell you my favorite, my favorite podcast though, uh, all time is living the stream with JJ Zacharyson and Denny Carter. Uh, there's just a mix of, of fantasy football, but then also their personality. And so you kind of get, uh, you know, the, the deets on uh, what players you should pick, you know, the data behind it, but then you also get just, just guys being guys, just talking about silly things. And, uh, I'm a big fan of JJ and Denny. And so, uh, being able to know them and meet them as, as friends and then listen to their podcast. It's pretty cool. So I think that's my favorite all time because it's not only football. Um, if talking only, only football, like just like talking for an hour and a half about football. I like, uh, Rotobon Pete Davidson's DFS podcast every week at the, uh, it's like a Saturday podcast, Sunday morning podcast. He drops, so he just does a slate walk and talks for like an hour and a half about every game, every player, what he's thinking. And he just, just goes through it by himself. And so, uh, last year I used him to help me win that 5k, uh, that I won in week two. It was not just me being smart. I listened to Pete Davidson talk about, uh, Jordan Reed as a great buy down tight end. And so really any practical podcast, fantasy points podcasts, you know, you got Graham Barfield, uh, Dr. John Proctor, Scott Barrett. I listen to them every week. And so any type of DFS strategy, player related podcast, I can gleam a little morsel of and steal a little sliver to put into my lineup. That's what I'm always looking for every week. Love it. 
That's awesome. I'm going to check out, start checking those ones out. There's a couple of them I haven't heard yet. So very cool. All right. So let me ask you, Scott, do you have one play or just like one thing or one player or something that just sticks with you? You're just like, man, you just can't get over it. It's a flag, you know, a player in a season that you were so high on and he was just a major letdown. What do you got? You know, I was thinking about this and, and the worst play call flag, they're kind of, you know, something goes wrong, right? Where you, you expect something to happen. It doesn't happen. You're disappointed. And I think the thing that disappointed me the most last year out of the whole season was the fourth down in the NFC championship game when the floor did not go for it at the end. That angered me. Uh, I could not believe it. You're in this position. You've got a, a couple minutes left in the game. You've got the world's greatest quarterback here and you're kicking an effing field goal. Uh, I just, I mean, that, that stuck with me and like in the house with a bunch of guys are watching the game and it's a COVID protocol for me back then, you know, we're all masked up and I'm just cursing through my mask like a sailor and I'm just screaming at the TV before, before they even do it. As, as soon as third down ends, I'm like, you better effing go for this. You better. Oh my God. I'm just like screaming. And uh, my friends are like, you know, Scott, calm down. I'm like, no, you don't understand. The whole season comes down to this and they're going to F it up. So I think that that stuck with me from last year and I'm still bitter. And uh, so is Aaron Rodgers, by the way. So I feel like I'm right. in good company. Yeah, I was going to say that might stick with the floor for a while. Uh, if he loses that game and then loses Rodgers this year, he might be losing a job no matter how smart everybody thinks he is. So yeah. as we're closing out here, Scott, uh, you got anything that you want to shout out? Anything you're working on? Anything you're up to that you need everybody to know about? Oh, man, that's great. I appreciate that. So I'm doing lots of different things, unfortunately. Uh, I mean, it was fortunately, my wife thinks it's unfortunate. But uh, right now I'm working uh, as uh, a content creator for the Guilty as Charged podcast network. It's a San Diego. Sorry, not San Diego. Never mind. L.A. Mm, sorry, I've been a, a football fan since I was five. It's hard to unlearn the Chargers being in San Diego since I've you know thirty seven years of it, whatever. So, but the L.A. Chargers, I'm doing a podcast for them each week. Where it's a fancy based podcast. I've been doing best ball drafts, breaking down ADP, looking at the Chargers, how their value is going to be uh, this year. You know, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, are they ever going to regress? Are they going to, uh, you know, uh, is is the uh, Joe Lombardi infusion going to help them? So I do that. Uh, also, I work for myself over at nimblewnumbers.com. Nothing going on there right now, but DFS will be there all season long with my writer, Bo Big Time. And then I am writing right now an article about breakout wide receivers, rookie wide receivers for the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. I previously purchased, or purchased previously, previously published an article about rookie breakout running backs. So check that out. Go to Sports Gambling Podcast Network. You can read all about it. Uh, I like Najee Harris before a little better than I do now. So I definitely had him as a breakout candidate. I'm not sure. It doesn't change completely with DeCastro uh, leaving, but it does worry me a little bit about their offensive line. So those are just some of the things that I'm doing. And I'll be on Twitter. I'm on Twitter all the time at NimbleWNumbers, bothering people, uh, offending people because I don't like their teams, all kinds of good stuff, you know? I love it. So basically you're a little bit everywhere as you're doing a lot of different things because uh, you love the game and you're spitting good knowledge is what I'm gathering. So you know I'll make sure you we said have it, everything. I didn't. Yeah. All right. I like it. We're going to have everything linked in the show notes so you guys can check everything that Scott's doing, find out everything his podcast, fantasy millionaires, all that kind of stuff will be in there. So you guys can connect with them on all those different levels. Uh, thanks again for being here again this week, everybody. Scott, thanks for joining me. Uh, you know, we wouldn't have a show if there wasn't people listening and watching. So can't do it without you guys. Uh, love you guys. Be safe out there. You know, uh, make sure everything for the nerd you can find over at the Buffalo nerd.com. All right. We'll see you guys next week. You just listen to the Buffalo nerd sports podcast make sure you leave a review and subscribe so you never miss another episode we'll see you next time leg out
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.